This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. All summer, we have been talking about water quality and access. As part of our WDET book club, we were reading Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha's book, What the Eyes Don't See, which is about the Flint water crisis and all kinds of other issues that sort of spring from water quality. One person who has been working really hard on issues of water service and all things underground infrastructure is Candace Miller. She is the Macomb County Public Works Commissioner, and she joins us now to talk about what's going on there. Candace, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Good to good to talk to you. Yes, it's good to hear from you. Um, so let's talk about what the biggest threats are to water quality and access in Macomb County and suburban Southeast Michigan right now. Well, as you uh, as you mentioned in the intro, my job is really uh, underground infrastructure, specifically sewage, specifically mm-hmm. sewage. So um, we are trying to do everything that we can to uh, ensure that the underground infrastructure that we have right now is uh, maintained properly, and a big part of that is inspection, which wasn't happening for decades out here in Macomb County. So we are now inspecting, uh, trying to maintain. We're putting together a capital improvement uh, program. Uh, no surprise, uh, just as an example, the... Uh, what we call the drainage district, the mid, that's the one that had the uh, big sewer collapse uh, Mm -hmm. several years ago on Mm -hmm. uh, 15 Mile and Frazier. That's about 17 miles of uh, interceptor in that particular, that's just one uh, of our districts that we uh, are focusing on. It uh, services about, uh, oh, a little more than half a million people probably, so it's big. Mm -hmm. Uh, No surprise, after we fix that, uh, which, by the way, was ahead of schedule and below budget, I just always like to point that out. (laughs) Right. Uh, we found that uh, there's a lot more maintenance to be done there. So we're sort of costing that out and putting together a plan. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, everything that we do with the, when you talk about water quality, what's happening with the sewage part of the underground has an enormous, enormous impact on our water quality of our of our Great Lakes, mm-hmm. uh, the, the rivers and uh, streams and drains that uh, are all around that flow eventually out into the Great Lakes. So, uh, everything that we do in our department is with an eye toward quality of life, water quality specifically, and uh, and of course, how can we be a critical component of economic prosperity in our in our beautiful county here? So, so I, I wonder if there was anything that happened during the Flint water crisis, or that we learned during the Flint water crisis, that changed the way that you manage underground infrastructure in Macomb County. In other words, were there things that you thought? Well, this could happen here uh, the same way it did in Flint, and we've got to prevent that from from occurring. Well, I think that's true in any of the uh, older communities. Now, I have to keep pointing out, I don't actually do the water part. That's normally done by, you know, it's the Great Lakes Water Authority Mm -hmm. now, uh, or individual municipalities. Uh, In our case, in in Macomb County, uh, Warren, uh, New Baltimore, and the city of Mount Clemens all do their they have their own water treatment plants. But, I mean, in any of these older communities, uh, the lead lines uh, that go in from the uh, uh, the old pipes that were sure. put in back in the day, everybody thought lead was the hot ticket there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got these old lead lines that are there. They've, Of course, they've got various types of corrosion on them and, and le- various levels. And, um, you know, so without getting into 
what all happened in the Flint, in the Flint crisis, which we, we have seen, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to, that's going to manifest itself very tragically, I think, for a generation or so. Uh, but at any rate, if there was any silver lining, I think it has spurred uh, inspection and uh, testing, uh, et cetera, in, uh, in all of our water. And from my perspective, again, from underground for the sewage, it really um, has, uh, of course, the interceptor collapse really was a big impetus here for me to start messaging on how important it is for our, us to invest in underground infrastructure. But wherever I go to talk about, you know, nice that we're talking about the roads and how much we have to invest in them. And believe me, I got it. I drive them every day. I know we, mm-hmm. that's a marquee issue. But I believe as importantly, quite frankly, is what's out of sight and out of mind, unfortunately, our underground whether that's water lines or sewage lines, because uh, I'll give you an example, just going back to this interceptor, because it was such a vivid demonstration. We had uh, several times there uh, where we were within a fraction of an inch, I'm not exaggerating, of having to discharge raw sewage out into Into the the Clinton River would have went right into the, into the lake. And I'm telling you, Stephen, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat that. It would have been an environmental disaster. Mm. Mm. Uh, and so I'm very proud to tell you that we never spilled a, a drop, but it cost us $13 million to build a bypass that had to operate for that entire year, uh, a sewage you know, uh, system, a bypass sewage system, so that we could work on the, on the collapsed pipe. Wow. But when you think about the potential of some of our sewage lines that are running under rivers or they're running under transmission grids or or drains or, or what have you it's a uh, we don't see it but it is i think very important for the public to understand and so i appreciate your attention to it this morning yeah. how important all of this is and you know the cavalry is not coming to pay for all of this for us <laughs> no we they were they definitely not <laughs> yeah we have we need to think about how we are going to handle our own situation here. Yeah. So, uh, so recently, State uh, Senator Pete Lucido announced a plan, or I'm sorry, State Rep. Pete Lucido announced a plan, House Bill 6278, that would prevent sewage from discharging into waterways across Michigan. Can you tell us more about the, about that bill? Yeah, actually, he is a senator now. Oh, that's right. He is a senator. I had it right. <laughs> yeah, one of our senators in Macomb. He's uh, been on the forefront of these issues, and I'm very appreciative of that. We talk uh, all the time about, um, you know, communities that are uh, discharging uh, what we call combined sewer overflows, or in some, that's uh, CSOs, combined Mm -hmm. sewer overflows, or in some cases, SSOs, which is sewage, sewage overflows. Now, uh, it's probably no secret that Wayne County, is probably the worst actor in the entire Great Lakes Basin hmm. for overflows into, I mean, there's a reason that Toledo has to close their water intakes down sometimes. It's not all coming out of the agriculture up in the Maumee River. Uh, you know, everybody's downstream of yes, somebody. Right. And so in Macomb County, if I could just start with, I mean, I'm trying to clean up my own backyard because, as I'm saying about Wayne County, guess what? We don't have clean hands here, and we need to. So uh, we're very focused on our biggest retention, detention basin, which is right at the foot of Nine Mile and Jefferson, called Chapaton. It was built in 1968, and during all of that time, there's been sewage discharges in varying degrees. 
And usually we say, well, you know, we can't really do too much about it because it's so expensive. Well, that is no longer the correct answer as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we, you know, Stephen, we have children. We have grandchildren. We have, sure. we just can't keep doing this. And uh, so we are actually under design right now for a $30 million uh, improvement, uh, which will almost, uh, actually it will double the amount of um, uh, storage detention that we will have. Uh, like th- we have 30 million gallons now, so we're going to go to 60 million with a two-phased approach. And we believe uh, that once we uh, complete this, that we will not have to, uh, we will reduce the amount of discharges out of there by in the high 70 percentile, maybe 80 percent. Hmm. In fact, when we had the real heavy rain here just uh, two, two weeks ago, we were looking, if we, would have been, if we would have been complete with this project, we would have not had to discharge them. So, you know, we're doing our thing. Uh, we're, you know, we're, again, the cavalry is not coming to yeah. uh, pay for all of this stuff. I've been working with our federal lawmakers. I mean, they're all very supportive, but of course they don't they don't have any money to give you. <laughs> so, uh we we have that. We did get uh, 3 million dollars from the state in the lame duck session, uh which I uh, we we've put that toward it and some of the communities. Now I'm actually going this week to Macomb County. Our board of commissioners is going to try to give us uh 2 or 3 million dollars out of their general fund, so to speak, which is you know, when we have things like a new jail that has to happen or a new county morgue or whatever, it, we, I think we are trying to demonstrate that we in Macomb County have the political will to try to, you know, clean up our own backyard, so mm-hmm. to speak. And, uh, you know, we'll be looking for others to to think about what they're going to do. I mean, uh, speaking of the, the cavalry and whether it's coming, uh, I, I imagine you have been watching – uh, closely what's going on in Lansing with this debate about road infrastructure funding, which, of course, is stalled out. And, and now they've said that they won't complete it as part of the budget negotiations this year, but that they will try to get to it later. I mean, that that can't uh, be encouraging about the other investment in underground infrastructure that we need to do. And and there's less focus, of course, on that uh, in the capital. Yeah, Um all of the, whether it's in Lansing or whether it's in Washington, D.C., which, of course, I was part of that mm-hmm. also for 14 years, yes. I really, I feel very uh, distressed because, uh, and believe me, I've, I've, I got the politics of it all. However, I really thought that infrastructure would be something that, uh, after the last election, uh, in the 2018 election, that it would have been something that the House and the administration could have come uh, together on uh-huh. infrastructure investment, but not to be, I guess. And I'm not here pointing a finger at anybody. I'm just saying I'm very distressed that that did not happen because, and now we have a, you know, whatever the conversation is in Lansing, because I think this uh, infrastructure is such a critical thing that government does and should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm a fiscal conservative, but there are various things that the government needs to do. Uh, and transportation is one of them. And I also feel that from a fiscal responsibility uh, standpoint, it is a win-win investment of tax dollars because, first of all, the multiplier effect is enormous. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if you look throughout history, the economics has always followed the transportation grid. In America, it was, you know, the uh, the wagon trains, that was a transportation grid, and right. then the railroads went, and then the interstates went, and shipping, uh, aviation links, 
always economics follows the transportation investment uh, around the world. And um, I'm, you know, as I say, I'm distressed that we don't seem to be able to get a national uh, reauthorization of a transportation and infrastructure bill. And and I don't know what's going to happen here in, in Michigan. I'm fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah. I mean, do, do you fear that uh, some catastrophe, uh, as you point out with this interceptor, that how close we were to one? Do you feel like this pushes us even even closer to something like that actually happening in Macomb or, or elsewhere? Oh, yeah. I think that, the, I mean, there's no doubt that something's going to happen again, whether it's a water uh, infrastructure failure or a sewage infrastructure failure. And, I mean, if you have another infrastructure failure, for instance, that starts dumping raw sewage out into the Great Lakes, all of a sudden everyone's going to go, well, why haven't we done something about this? <laughs> you right. Know? Right. And unfortunately, I guess we're all human. So that's that's sort of how that goes. And what we're trying to do in Macomb is get ahead of our issues so we don't have that kind of a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And secondly, uh, when I talk about combined sewer overflows, here's the thing, Stephen. We are meeting the standards. We are meeting all of the standards from what was the MDEQ, right. now called EGLE, right. that, uh, that department. Uh, we meet their standards. They're permitting us to do this. Right. And uh, the, the rules say that, that we can pollute this way, and, and that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think that's when you mentioned about uh, Senator Lucido. That's really what he was sort of getting at. Like, well, you know, why don't we change the regulatory process here or change the permitting process? And, of course, they'll say, well, there are a lot of places that they just can't afford it. Yeah. And I do understand that, but, uh, you know, what's the price of clean water, I guess? Mm. Okay, Candace Miller, Macomb County Public Works Commissioner. Always great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. We're going to take a closer look at the social and cultural implications of progressive Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's history with brownface. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow. Tomorrow.